You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Broncos Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoya, also known as Ben Affleck, to Nick Ferguson, uh, who is here with me again today. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing uber spectacular. How about you? I'm good. Uh, I'm feeling really good. Sure? Um, I, I, We wanted to start today with something. Nick's forcing me to bring this up, which, by the way, I, I still believe, believe this fully. Uh, but, um, Nick wanted me to start with something today that I brought up at practice. Uh, and this is something that I've, I've, you know, believed in myself for a long time, which is that, um, I believe I can tackle Javante Williams. Um, what? And, and Nick doesn't believe me, but my theory behind this is that, um, yes, I understand Javante Williams is, you know, very difficult to tackle, but. My theory is, is if you gave me an Oklahoma drill, you know, five yards, 10 yards, whatever it is, and you gave me several attempts, I could eventually trip him up. And Nick doesn't believe I could do that. No, you know what? Not, not to cast a shadow of a doubt on you and your skill set, but there this is a point where uh, perception reality kind of intersect. And uh, when they do, that's not where George Storia actually lives. And what you are suggesting is something that, some guys who play defense in the NFL, linebackers, D linemen, safety, they have not been able to master by themselves, even in a group. But you are suggesting if you're giving several attempts that you would be able to bring down Javante Williams and an Oklahoma drill. You got to give me a little more detail than that. You said you would tackle him, but I'm like, well, how? And then you said, well, you would trip him up. Now, you can jump on his back and he's, he'd probably carry you. But I'm thinking you might trip him up by using your entire body as somewhat of a distraction or disruptor to bring him down. Yeah, no, I plan on just flailing in front of him and <laughs> him somehow like getting his, his foot caught and just fall, like tripping, like, I, like legitimately just like tripping over me. Um, which again, in the stat book, counts as a tackle. Um, so I, I think that I could do that. And you, you underestimate me, Nick, you know, I played football. I used to be a really good football player back in the day, back in high school, before I broke my arm, you know, I, I'm athletic, I can do things and I get it. Javante's amazing. Yes. And trust me, he might kill me. I might, that might be my demise, but I think that I, I could, I, you give me several attempts. I think eventually he might just mess up and trip. That's my point. I'm not sitting here saying like, Oh yeah, Javante Williams. Like I could tackle him physically, like you know, like actually wrap him up and bring him to the ground. Of course, I could not do that. But I'm saying I think I could trip him, like in a yeah, five-yard span. Well, yeah, anyone could trip him. But you sounded like Anakin Skywalker right there talking to Obi Wan, right? You underestimate my power, right? It's like you know, what power yeah. do you? What power do you have? Are, I was the chosen you, one. Yeah, and are you a glutton for punishment? Because I mean, we've seen uh, Devontae Williams run into defenders, and you say multiple tries. 
I'm like, man, you may not even survive the first one because if you get concussed, it's a wrap. It's over. It is done, George. But why would you want to be somewhat of a, a battering dummy or, or, or obstruction for Javante Williams? Well, it's it's not that. It's it's this thing that I you know I, I'm I'm somebody that likes to think of like uh, just weird scenarios or questions that like say who do you think in this group could do this? And so that's what happened. It was a year ago we were watching practice and I was like, do you think anybody in the media could tackle Javante Williams one on one? And everybody's like, no. And I was like, I think I could maybe do it. You know, I think you put me out there. Just like I say all the time, I'm like, like who of the media members do you think could bench press the most? And I'm always like, well. If you take out the former players, because Nick, you don't count. All these former players that, that, that say they're part of the media, no, they yeah. don't count the former players, okay? So I say, I think I could bench press the most of the media. Now that's not saying much, no offense to the other media, but I think I could bench press more than the other. So that's that's what's going through my head. This isn't a situation where I'm like, oh, I just wanna get run over by Javante. I just think of these weird things over, I'm like, who runs the quickest 40 yard dash? That's why. I really want to have a media combine. I think that'd be awesome if we had like the media go out there and do that. That'd be so much fun. Well, you know what? I often uh, talked about that and throw that out on uh, Twitter and see how uh, the fans and what they think about it. But yeah, I think it, it would be great because the media does so much criticizing and evaluating of players. Hey, why don't we put them in that situation? And yes, remove the former players from the equation and see which media person emerges victorious. And I would, I would, uh, I would. I mean, I, I think I, I, I'm the best in shape right now. So no, again, no offense to the other media members, but I think I could bench press more than all. Well, uh, someone is full of themselves this morning <laughs> and uh, the, the confidence is oozing out his pores and his name is George Storia. Exactly. Exactly. Nick, well, let's jump into, uh, Javante going to have to play well this week, right? He's going to have to run through some people, um, that are not myself. So, um, let's dive into a little bit of the, the offensive issues that the Broncos have had uh, so far this season. And, and we'll hear from um, Russell Wilson here in a second, uh, some audio about him saying that they were they were pretty close. But, Nick, I just wanted to ask you, when you go back and you watch the film or, or you watch those first three games, what's maybe your biggest concern with this offense right now and, and how would you maybe fix it? Well, the biggest concern, it is uh, rhythm. The offense uh, likes rhythm at times. Uh, you, you see something on a couple of possessions, like throwing to the tight end in the first game, and then all of a sudden it disappears, and then the ground game gets going, and, and maybe it's a certain play or a certain side, and then all of a sudden that's abandoned. Then thinking about the vertical rat, the routes going down the field, they are too deep, and I don't think the offense right now is attacking – uh, the opposition on on levels, giving Russell uh, outlets for him to dump the ball off to, but also Russell escaping a pocket, doing what he we you, we are used to seeing him do, as far as uh, let Russ cook, and we saw glimpses of it throughout the San Francisco game, and you could tell that that is what fired up the fans after they gave a couple of boos in that San Francisco game. So these are the, some of the things that I see lacking uh, with this offense. Will they be able to change him? here against the Raiders, man, God knows. Uh, we hope so. Yeah, I, I think that you nailed it, Nick. Um, but I think that when you look at this offense, it feels like they have the right pieces in place, right? Like they have a really good wide receiver in Cortland Sutton. Like they, I think they still believe Jerry Judy can be that elite type of receiver too. They've obviously got two really good running backs. They've got, you know, what they assume to be the right quarterback. And we talked about that last podcast a little bit. 
I think they've got an above average offensive line. Like I feel like they've played well through three games. Uh, I think the tight end room could be better, but it could also be worse, right? So I think they've got the right pieces. Right now it's about being in rhythm, meshing together, uh, you know, still I feel like they're still figuring each other out. And Russell Wilson talked about that on Wednesday, uh, and he said uh, th that we're really close, that we're really close to being uh, a really good offense. And we have that audio here from Broncos.com. And so in terms of uh, where I think we're headed and where we're going, we're so close. There's so many, like just the deep ball to, to Jerry, just, I mean, ah, just almost, we almost had that one. Uh, you know, just so many different other moments uh, throughout these games. And so the great part is that we have the work ethic, we have the focus, we have all that. And uh, we're excited. We're excited because with our defense, how elite they're playing, how great they are, how amazing they've been, uh, I can't wait to what, when we turn it around and how great it's going to be because we could be really unstoppable. And we really believe that, and we're going to be. And um, it's just you take one day at a time, one moment at a time. You don't look at the whole end journey. Yeah, you just look at the moment right now, the next play, the next moment. Nick, when you hear that, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it's okay to say that now, right? You know, we're only three weeks in, but let's say this, the offense continues to struggle. When does that get tiresome? The, Hey, we're close. We're really, really close. When do you, when do you get tired of that? And when do you think that they maybe get over that hump or if, if they even do get over that hump? Well, you get tired, maybe heading into uh, week six, because now you have uh, six games to evaluate and to uh, get things together from a coaching uh, standpoint. But now there, there is some truth to what Russell is saying about how close that they are is that's because we, we often see glimpses of how great that this offense could be like, and let's go back to that San Francisco 49ers game. Things were not that great, but when the Broncos needed a play, they needed a drive. Russell was able to do what we've seen Russell being able to do the flip to, or the, uh, the chest pass to Melvin Gordon. I mean, that, that gives you hope and optimism that this offense is like Russ said, they are right there. But also consider this. When we look at the success that Russell has had in his time in Seattle, they ran the ball, they played great defense, and he was efficient offensively. You look at Peyton Manning in Super Bowl 50, guess what? It was based on running the ball and playing great defense. And all you have to do is look at the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And what is it again? Playing great defense and running the ball. So all of those things collectively is what is giving the Broncos offense and this team the hopes that, hey, listen, they can turn things around. And talking to guys in the locker room, they truly believe that the way the defense has played over these uh, past couple of weeks, and they're thinking, okay, well, our offense still hasn't hit their stride. Watch what happens and how dangerous, no pun intended, this team will be once the offense finds its groove. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's totally accurate. Um, this defense is elite. Uh, and I think that we had some of those questions right after the first two games because they hadn't really played a good offense. And and I'm not saying the 49ers have the best offense in the NFL, but when you have a play caller like Kyle Shanahan, you have playmakers like Debo Samuel, uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk, I, I think that you, you look at that offense and you say, OK, yeah, they're, I mean, they're they're legitimately a good offense and, and the Broncos shut them down. So I, I think that this is a, a really good defense. It's going to win them a lot of football games. That said. Broncos need to score points at some point, right? They need to figure that out. And you're right, Nick. If they can, then then I think that this is a really good football team. This is a football team that we thought they could be a playoff-type team. Uh, maybe, I mean, you look at the AFC West right now, and we'll dive into that a little bit later, Nick, but it's wide open. Uh, they've got a chance here, especially this weekend against the Raiders, uh, to really you know take a, have a leg up uh, in the division. So I do think if the offense can get it together, 
uh, this is going to be a really good group. And Nick, I wanted to ask you one quick thing about the offense, and we'll take a break here in a second. Do you think they should be running the ball more? You mentioned the Steelers and, and the success that they've had, obviously, in the past, playing great defense, running the football. Do you think the Broncos get away from the run a little bit too much, or, or do you think they're running the, the, amount, the right amount right now? I don't think it's necessarily, you know, they're not running the ball enough. To me, it's more or less of, how involved are your running backs in the game plan to begin with? Because I always look at it like this. It's, it's about touches to me. It's not carries. It's about touches. How, how much are these guys involved with uh, the out routes, the screen games, also the run game and kind of developing the play action off of that. That's the biggest issue for me. And that's why I say, well, this offense at times looks like it lacks uh, rhythm and just like, well, where, where's the balance? Because, you can't throw the court and sudden on every single play. It is virtually impossible because now you're really dictating what you're going to do to the defense. And they say, hey, well, call the sudden's the man on third down. Let's take him out of the equation. This is where other guys need to be involved into the offense. And this is where an offensive coordinator, if it's Justin Allen or if it's Nathaniel Hackett, saying, okay, well, we're going to put a couple of key plays in for individual guys. And then you go out there and you milk those plays. And then that way you force the defense to defend every single player opposed to just trying to defend an area of the field or just one player. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting stat, Nick, here. Uh, the Broncos are averaging 348 yards per game, which is 16th in the NFL. So not bad, right? They're right in the yeah. middle. Uh, we've seen them move the ball up and down the field, right? Like we've seen that every single week. But they rank 31st in points per game at 14.3. That's the issue, right? Like you have to find that balance of, hey, we're moving the ball, but you've got to put it in the end zone, right? You've got to score points when you get down there. And, and I think that that's been the biggest issue for this Broncos team. I, and I don't know if they're not running the ball enough. I, I think obviously you could make the case that Javante Williams needs the ball, um, you know, on every single play, unless there's a bunch of George Stoyas out there trying to tackle him. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> then maybe, then maybe not because George, yeah. George will take him down to the backfield. But, uh, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I think that this offense is, look, it, it's really early, and I keep bringing up the example. Peyton Manning and, and his first season struggled the first few games, and I, I think we're seeing sort of the same thing with Russell. I don't think Russell's on the same caliber as Peyton Manning, at least not yet in his career. Maybe someday he'll get there. But I do think that you're seeing some of that, hey, there is a lot to meshing and and, and being with the coaching staff and, and like you said, Justin Alton and Nathaniel Hackett and everything that goes into that takes time. Uh, and I think that, I think that the hope is that they eventually figure it out. And, and, you know, I don't know. I, I think maybe this is the week that they get it done because I just don't think the Raiders are a great football team right now. Um, obviously their backs are against the wall and they need a win, but I do think this is, a, this could be a big week for this offense and, and really this team. Well, you know, if you want to, uh, and have that question answer as to whether having a new uh, head coach and offensive coordinator, how that affects the offense. I mean, look no further than this week's opponent. I mean, they have Devontae Adams and they have a, a, a bevy of, of riches as far as offensively, but they still themselves haven't won a game and then the lack of rhythm of their offense. So you're looking at two offensive coaches, two offensive teams, uh, they're, they're in different uh, sides of the spectrum as far as, you know, points are per game, but still they are having their same issues because they have a new signal caller and the chemistry isn't there the way that everyone expected. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we'll dive into more of the, uh, the Raiders here uh, in the next couple segments. But Nick, let's take a quick break and then we'll hop into some uh, Russell Wilson versus Chad Powers. Uh, Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break. And, Nick, I want to bring up something that Russell Wilson said yesterday uh, that wasn't about his State of the Union or his the offense uh, trying to get back on track. In fact, it's something that we talked about in our last podcast, which is Eli Manning coming after Russell Wilson, which seems like a theme. There's a lot of people coming after Russell Wilson, and, and we can dive into that next. But uh, for those that don't know or who live under a rock, I guess, uh, Eli Manning had a shot at uh, Russell Wilson on Monday Night Football during the Manning cast that said uh, that they should that the Broncos should have paid uh, their punter the $235 million instead of Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson on Wednesday responded, uh, saying that I'm 3-0 against Chad Powers, obviously referring to, um, you know, Chad Powers, which is the character, I guess, that Eli Manning played in his, I, I think it's his TV show, isn't that, is that right, Nick, on ESPN yeah, that he does? Yeah, something like that. His, his alter something ego. Like yeah, his alter ego, where he dressed up and tried out for Penn State football. So we have the, we have the clip here from Broncos.com. Why do even kind of former peers pick on you a little bit for fun? They know you can take You're it. talking about Chad Powers? Um, yeah, you know, Chad Powers, you know, um, I'm three and zero against Chad Powers, you know, um, you know, listen, I, I think that, uh, you know, that it's, uh, it's part of the game and we're just having that, those guys are having fun, you know, and, and everything else. I, I have a lot of respect for Peyton and Eli and, and those guys, those guys, I mean, you know, I've always looked up to those guys, so I'm not, I'm not stressing about it. Nick, what's, what's your reaction to that? I mean, I look, here's the thing. I, I think that. Obviously, him and Peyton and, and Eli are probably good friends, but I do think this speaks to a broader issue of like, there's a lot of people taking digs at uh, Russell Wilson right now, and, and it seems like Russell's handling it well for the most part. Yeah, he is, and you know, people have come to call or uh, refer to uh, Russell as being, you know, really corny, and you can tell right there he does have a sense of humor. He does uh, listen, and if if he didn't hear the quote himself. I'm sure one of his friends uh, told him about it and he was pre prepared for that with that answer. And he's absolutely right. He is 3-0 against uh, Chad Powers, a.k.a. Eli Manning. And, and sometimes things kind of get out of hand and it's, it's kind of in the vein of, hey, it's just a joke. But sometimes there's uh, underlying truth in that as some guys are now trying to take uh, former players, trying to take jabs at uh, current players. But Russell understands this. And, yes, things have not have been exactly the way that Russell has had them over the past couple of years. But it has become uh, really easy or low-hanging fruit, that is, nationally and even locally for people to attack Russ. And is he the guy? Did, the, did George Payton make the right decision bringing Russ here? Why pay Russ the money that they paid him before the beginning of the season? And he was going to play the way that he's played thus far. Russell knows how this, game, how this game's worked. And, I mean, think about when he was drafted. No one expected much out of a quarterback who wasn't 6'2", but he's been to several Pro Bowls and he's been to two Super Bowls. Yeah, and, and Nick, I find I find this also odd because when, when he was first traded here, like, it didn't feel like there was all this hate or animosity towards 
Russell Wilson, other than from, you know, Seattle fans, which I understand that, I mean, they're, they're fans and, and, you know, they have the right to, to get upset, but it seems like it's just been like national media and, and fans from other teams just piling on. And I think it's this combination of like one, it, it hasn't gone as planned right through the first three weeks in terms of the play just hasn't been great. Um, so I think a lot of people are piling on that. I think number two, the Broncos country let's ride was an all time corny, you know, meme moment. Right. And people love to, to, you know, uh, over, overplay that and, and continue to, to use it. Right. Uh, and then I think you have just this, this, all this stuff that goes on with Russell, where he is just it, like you said, he's corny. I think we all agree. He's a great guy, but I think that people just love to gravitate towards piling on a guy because he's, you know, doesn't fit the personality of, I don't know, other, other star quarterbacks. Does that make sense? I, I just don't understand. I guess it's just a combination of all those things. And that's why people like to pile on him right now. And, and I, I guess the only way to get out of it is you go win, you go win, you go play great. Uh, and, and people will shut up. Well, yeah, George, that's the only way to do it. And, you know, some people call him uh, corny. I just say, you know, that's Russ just being him. And when we think about uh, the perception of what football players are supposed to be, what quarterbacks are supposed to be, and you say that Russell really doesn't fit into that mode, sometimes you have to break outside of that mode. And, you know, I, I tell this to kids, and my, even my own kids, when uh, I talk to them every day and kids, I, when I go speak to them, is that, man, it's, it's cool to be uncool, right? And, and you don't have to do everything that everyone thinks that you should do. At the end of the day, you need to be you. I mean, there's, there's so many other people doing themselves or trying to do other people. Just do you. And if individuals don't like you for being who you are, then you know what? To hell with those people. And, you know, Russ is definitely one of those uh, individuals. You don't have to fit into someone someone's mold of how they figure that you should be. Like, think about it, George. I mean, uh, sometimes uh, you think I'm very negative when it when it comes to you. I don't know why. Uh, you you think you could tackle, uh, you know, Javante Williams? Who am I to tell you that you can't? So, so if that is who you are and that's what you truly believe, then hey, man, you know, believe that. And the same goes for Russell Wilson. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, and I didn't I didn't mean it in, in a negative way that Russell doesn't fit the mold of some of these other quarterbacks because the reality is is there's a lot of quarterbacks in this league. And, and, and well, not, I wouldn't say a lot of quarterbacks, but there's a lot of players in this league that aren't always great people. And I think that Russell is a great person. Like as much as he might be corny uh, or different than what people want him to be or, or uncool or whatever, however you want to define it, the dude's an awesome guy. I mean, he's at the children's hospital. Uh, he's a great leader. He's taking his teammates out to dinner. Like, I think he, he's doing all the right things. So I, I think that while, you may not like the Broncos country let's ride, or you think it's really funny, or you think his new subway commercial is over the top, which it is. Uh, but <laughs> the guy's still a good dude. Uh, and I think he means well in everything he does. And, and I, I, I think it was good of him yesterday uh, to kind of take that Chad powers thing and, and take it in stride and kind of just move on. Because at the end of the day, Nick, uh, like I said earlier, if they go in football games and they go to the playoffs, Nobody's going to be talking trash on, on Russell Wilson, or at least the people that are, uh, are people that are maybe jealous of him and, and jealous of what the Broncos gotten him when they traded for him. Uh, Nick, one other guy that has also been a little bit in the media uh, and has taken some shots back and forth is Jerry Judy uh, with one Broncos ring of famer, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, Shannon Sharp. What was your reaction to that? I, I don't have the tweet pulled up. 
because uh, I believe they it was it was deleted. But Shannon Sharp took a, a shot at Jerry Judy about I believe dropping passes, uh, and Jerry kind of responded. What was your reaction to that? Well, I anticipated it because uh, when I watched the game on Sunday night and then the play took place, I was like, well, that is going to be the narrative locally and nationally as uh, people have said that Jerry is a bust and he dropped so many passes. And I, and I, and I thought that for me, uh, Sharp, Shannon Sharp, my former teammate, was way over line uh, as far as uh, saying what he said about you know Jerry Judy. Everyone is entitled to their own truth. They have their own social media account. But it, it's become really easy to kind of for, for former players, me being one of them, to attack current players. And, and that was just a little over the top for me. If you watch the play, you understand that, hey, I mean, the DB did a great job of sticking his hand in at the last moment to poke the ball away before Jerry could even put his hands on the ball. But, I mean, obviously, we, we know we're in the media business. You know, the negativity actually sells. And being able to use Twitter as a conduit to create somewhat of chaos on Twitter and conversations between players, and more importantly, you have conversations between a guy who's a Hall of Famer and Jerry Judy, who's trying to make his mark uh, in the NFL. They both play for the Denver Broncos. And it's just like, well, that's a battle that you're not going to win because when you look at Sharp, Sharp has a great platform and he's going to constantly talk about you and all those things. So just go out there and the best way to shut up Shannon and everyone else is just go out there and make plays. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I'm still a believer in Jerry Judy. Um, you know, I think that he's a guy that, again, has, has shown us through his career glimpses of being great, right? I think even that first Seattle game, right? I think it was four receptions, 102 yards, a touchdown, right? Um, that's the kind of Jerry Judy that the Broncos want and, and really need. Uh, but then the last two games, obviously, he's not played as well. Of course, he gets injured in the second game. Uh, doesn't play a whole lot. But last game, two receptions, 17 yards. But you can tell that they're, they're trying to get him involved. And I think that eventually he's going to have a breakthrough. It's the same thing with the offense, right? Eventually he's going to find his groove. He's going to find his rhythm. And there's also going to come a game that teams take away Cortland Sutton, that they're going to say, you know what, you're going to have to go somewhere else with football. And I would assume that's going to be Jerry Judy that, that steps into that place. So I'm not too worried about Jerry. Jerry, are, are you Nick? Have you, have you had any concerns with Jerry? I know that it's his third season, right? We're ready for him to finally break through. I, I, last year, I don't really count against him just because he was dealing with that ankle injury. I think he missed like six or seven, maybe eight games, uh, and obviously just didn't look the same the rest of the year. But are you worried at all about Jerry, and, and when do you think he, he can maybe break through? No, I'm not uh, worried about uh, Jerry Judy. I know Jerry is a very talented wide receiver. You, you just don't come to the NFL and forget how to play. The problem is, you know, once again, we go back to the offensive chemistry, working with Russell for the first time, how many routes are developed, to get Jerry involved, to get him his touches, because like you said, and we might see it this week with the Raiders on third downs or, or maybe even in the second and manageable plays, find out where Cortland Sutton is, take him out of the mix and force Russell to go elsewhere. And now that still is concerned because now you have Jerry. Uh, is it going to be Kendall Hinton? Uh, where uh, does uh, KJ Hamlin fit into this? Montero Washington. So the Broncos are still trying to figure out that aspect of, how to get those other guys involved. But I do feel that it would be criminal to have the talent of Jerry Judy and not get him the ball. And if anyone wants to say, well, they're not happy with Jerry because Jerry does is not consistent. He drops the ball. Well, let's get him involved. Let's throw him more than 10 targets a game and let's see how many of those targets he catches. Then we can criticize him. But until then, we don't know what we don't know because 
he's not being targeted as frequently as, as Corlin Sutton. Yeah. And I, again, we've, we've hit it all, hit on it a lot, but I, I just think that, that they're on the verge of a breakthrough. Um, and I, I really do believe that. I feel like I've kind of said, I think they're on one. I think I, I really do believe they're going to, to have one here soon. So I think Jerry's part of that. And, and you look, like you said, you have to try and find ways to get him the ball. They did the other night. It just didn't happen, right? The, the, the DB made a great play there, tipped the ball away. Otherwise, that's a you know 70-yard touchdown pass. Uh, and we're talking about a totally different Jerry Judy, right? We're talking about can he be a pro bowler, an all-pro like type player. So I think that that's, it's one play here, one play there that all of a sudden changes the narrative. Uh, Nick, before we hit a quick break, I do want to talk just briefly about something you mentioned earlier, and that's former players uh, sometimes coming after current players. Why is that becoming more of a thing? I feel like that's becoming more of a thing recently. Um, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just younger and I just haven't seen it as much. But do you remember that happening when you were a player where you had former players, uh, whether it was you know guys that went into the media or, or not, that have been more critical of younger players? Has that always been something that go, goes on? And, and, and have you seen more of it maybe recently? Well, I mean, the critique from uh... – veteran players to current players that's always been in place, but uh, there wasn't social media the way that it is now. So now more veteran players are on social media and it gives them an opportunity to look at current day players and compare them to the guys that they played with, that they played against. And if there's something that they don't like, they voice their opinion. Now everyone's entitled to voice their opinion as we see on social media, but it's become to a point where, it's become highly critical because the idea is that based on a lot of the bait shows that in order to get recognition, that that's something that you have to do. I mean, look at, look at our society itself. I mean, if a player does something is on the front page, but if he does, if he does some negative is on the front page, if he does something great, guess what? It's on the back page where no one sees it. So that is kind of a, had a trigger down effect with former players where they do that same thing. They feel as though they're going to get more clicks. They're going to get more likes. People are going to share whatever they're saying because they're being more negative than positive when it comes to today's players. Yeah, and I think that I mean, obviously Shannon is um, is great, and and he was he's an all timer, right? Um, but I I was a little surprised he'd go after uh, a Broncos player like that, considering he is an all time Broncos great. But I guess at the same time, I mean, Shannon has a job to do, and and like you said, he. Uh, he knows what drives traffic, right? He knows what's going to get people to watch his show the next day on Monday when he's yelling about it with, you know, Skip Bayless. So I think that it, it's all a part of that, right? Like that's, yeah. it all drives ratings. Maybe we need to start doing that, Nick. Maybe you need to start just ripping into me, just being like, ah, oh, George is, George is terrible at his job. We can put that clip out there on Touchdown Denver. How about that? Nick? No, no, I, I would never uh, do that. I'll leave that to you with your, uh, your examples of tackling Javante Williams. I'm just like, no, I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to sit back, put my feet up, and let George do it himself. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna start sending that. I'm going to send that clip to Javante and say, what do you think? And, and see if he can uh, – see if we can maybe get him on the podcast to give us his thoughts on that. But, Nick, let's, uh, let's take a quick break, and then we will dive into the Raiders and what the Broncos need to do to win this week. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break. 
and we're going to dive into the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, obviously, a, a big game this week, Nick. Um, the Broncos know that. Uh, this is a huge rivalry game, and I want to get your thoughts on it here in a second. But first, let's hear from Nathaniel Hackett talking about that rivalry and also uh, the AFC West in general. Yeah, I would say this whole division, obviously we know that it's it's a very, very good division. And whenever you have a chance to play anybody in the West, um, you know it's 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 going to be a heck of a game. I mean, it's going to be a battle. It's, I mean, this has been a rivalry for a long time. I mean, anybody within this, whether it's the Chiefs, the Raiders, uh, the Chargers, those have all been amazing games. And, uh, you know, now we're going against the Raiders. I mean, they're a very good football team, very talented team. And it's going to be a, a great battle. Nick, before we dive into this Raiders team, I just want to ask you as somebody that, that's played – in this rivalry, when you look at the, the this division, is this is this the biggest rivalry, or or, or is it the Chiefs for you? And, and what do you remember about maybe playing the Raiders? Well, first of all, the Chiefs are the biggest rivalry because we haven't beaten them in a while, and I said we because uh, you know I figured I'm part of Broncos country, uh, but when I look at the Raiders, uh, it hasn't really been a rivalry in a while because you got to actually define what a rivalry means. That means both teams are of some quality. And then that game is going to be a lot of uh, uh, that game itself. I think better put is that, uh, you know, that it's going to really affect the outcome of what uh, the season is going to be for both teams as far as the division and the conference is concerned. But it really hasn't been that way for uh, the Broncos over the past couple of years. Troubles at the quarterback positions, turn the ball over, not being able to start stop the, the Raiders uh, run game when you need to, because that was kind of the idea. Uh, they don't have an elite passing game. The defense is uh bend or break. And all we have to do is run the ball and we kill the clock because they can't really score. So that's kind of been, been the idea as far as the robbery is concerned. But when you play this team in my time, it, the games were really exciting because, you know, that's when Al Davis was still around and I, every Bronco player knew about how Al Davis still owed Mike Shanahan his money and told him, look, if you want it, come sue me. You're going to spend more money trying to get it back than what I actually owe. So we always knew that. And that was kind of an extra incentive for us to go out and play well. And then at the same time, George, it was the old black hole. The fans were closer to the players and you can hear the trash talk. I mean, like, like it was right in your ear now with the new, uh, I guess a death star that they have there in Vegas, the fans are further away. So it doesn't have that same mystique, but all of that can change this weekend. Yeah. I mean, you look at the the recent rivalry between them and the Broncos haven't won on the road against the Raiders since 2015. They've also lost, I believe, is it four or five straight now? So um, obviously this is one the Broncos really want, you know, Bradley Chubb said in the locker room yesterday that he hates the Raiders. Um, and I, I do think that there is some hate there between these two teams. Uh, and now you add in the fact that Josh McDaniels is coaching Ooh. the Raiders, which is obviously a, a huge, uh, a huge deal when you talk about his history here in Denver. Do you think that, I mean, obviously these players, they, they don't, you know, I'm sure that they know the history with McDaniels, but that doesn't really play a whole big factor in, in this game. Does it Nick? No, it doesn't. It just uh, that old fashioned, you know, hate that you have for the other team. I mean, and I know exactly what that's like. Uh, I mean, I went to Georgia Tech and, uh, you know, you just hate Georgia. That's just like, you know, I don't know if like CSU and CU, that's not too much of a rivalry. Those two teams are not doing too well. 
But I mean, you know, that's kind of where it is. Is that like you when you go into a team and, you, and you're just trying to figure out the culture, and the first thing you learn is here are the teams that we're supposed to hate. And it just seems that when players come in free agents or you're drafted, you know automatically that the Raiders are a team that you need to hate. I mean, for you and your in your trials, the great athlete that you are, uh, w- what rivalry that that you had that there was a team, high school or college, that you really hated? Yeah, well, I mean, I went to Bishop Kelly. Uh, go comments, BKHS. Bishop Kelly is the best, but. Um, I hated Bishop McGinnis, who was, you know, I, they they were down the road, about an hour down the road, and we were the two biggest uh, private schools in in the state of Oklahoma, and uh, unfortunately, we were on the uh, wrong side of that rivalry a lot. Wait, uh, so, so, so you guys were the CSU of the. <laughs> yes, yeah, we we didn't win. We won, I think, my four years there. We beat them one time in uh, football, and we lost to them all four times in basketball, including in the state semifinals in basketball, which I was a part of. That's that was that sucked. Uh, of course, I didn't play; I didn't get in the game. Um, you know, maybe maybe I should have gotten in the game. I hope, I, Coach Limes, if you're listening, I should have been in the game. Uh, no, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I understand the hate here, right? And I think that it, it's it's definitely warranted, and it's great for the game, right? Like you you want to have that type of rivalry. And we'll get into the Chiefs later this season, but I think you're right. That's probably the bigger bigger rivalry right now, especially in terms of the Chiefs have just been the top of the division yeah. the last you know several years, and you, and you want to you know dethrone them. But Nick, let's hop into this Raiders team this year. Obviously not the start that they wanted. 0-3. Seems like there's some issues going on. I mean, there's a lot of talk here about Nathaniel Hackett and the job he's done. We just talked about McDaniels. He's having some issues uh, in Las Vegas right now. What sticks out to you about this team, and and why do you think that they've struggled? Because you look at the teams that they've played, uh, the Chargers, Cardinals, uh, and Titans, those teams, when they have not played the Raiders, are 0-6. So it's not like they're playing – you know, great teams right now. Again, it's early in the season, but it's not like they're they're zero and three against you know really good football teams. Well, the Raiders are trying to uh, figure things out of George, and when you look at uh, you know where their rank as far as uh, points, I mean they have a, a total of sixty four points on the season, and they're averaging twenty one points per game. That puts them at eleventh. I mean, far better than where the Broncos are at thirty first. So they've shown as though they can move the ball down the field, but they have had their moments where, you know, chemistry wasn't there, balls are being deflected, you know, Derek Carr is a little off target, and they're still trying to figure out how to incorporate everyone in the ball game. I mean, in the the Tennessee Titans game, you had both uh, Darren Waller and Devontae Adams in the same area, and if Waller doesn't come in and, you know, try to catch the ball, it's a touchdown for Devontae Adams. So, this is a team that can move the ball down the field. Josh McDaniels is still one of the smartest guys in the NFL. But the fact that, you know, you average 21 points per game, that has to say uh, something. And when you look on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, Max Crosby is a monster. And I know there are a lot of Broncos fans that were upset that the Broncos didn't acquire Chandler Jones. But when you look at which guy's on the stat sheet and which guy isn't, Randy Gregory is on the stat sheet and Chandler Jones isn't. So this is a team still trying to find their way and trying to get their first dub. So now their backs are against the wall. That crowd is going to be really loud, and they're going to try to create a lot of confusion and try to get their first win against the Broncos on Sunday. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at this Raiders team, and and I think Russell said it best yesterday that their their record doesn't reflect how good they can be, right? Yeah. Um, when you look at this talent on the team, I mean, you just mentioned all the guys when you talk about Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, uh, the wide receiver Hollins. He's been yeah. really impressive for them this year. Uh, they've got good players. Josh Jacobs at running back. I think that, you know, Derek Carr is a, is a good quarterback, not great, but like he, I mean, look, they, they went to the playoffs last year and then they went out and they added Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. Uh, this should be a good football team. So I think that they've been really close. And, and again, I think you can kind of rely on it's sort of what the Broncos have gone through, right? In terms of, uh, you know, trying to figure each other out with a new coaching staff, new players and that sort of thing. So they could be also be on the verge of having a breakthrough. And this is obviously a huge week for them. I mean, this is, this is, I don't want to say it's a, a, a must win because again, it's, it's only week four, uh, but this does feel like a do or die game for the Raiders in terms of you can't start 0 and 4. You probably can't start 0 and 3 and still make the playoffs. And so they're looking at this game like, hey, we have to win uh, this football game. And it's at home. I think that it's going to be a big atmosphere. I, I, I think the Broncos also feel like this is probably uh, not a do or die game or must win game because they're 2 and 1. But I think that they feel like they really want to win this football game and show that they can you know, beat good football teams. So I, I think that this is such an interesting matchup on both sides of the ball. But Nick, what's maybe your your biggest key uh, when you look at, at at the Broncos trying to win this game? What's the biggest key to the game for them? Right tackle position. Max Crosby against Cam Flemings. Go back to the game against uh, the 49ers. Four sacks allowed, nine quarterback hits. That's entirely too many hits on uh, R- Russell Wilson. And Cam Flemings, he, he definitely has to uh, step up and be a lot better in his pass protection. The one thing, I mean, he's facing a man uh, in Max Crosby because he has long arms. He plays with a lot of energy. He knows how to retrace his steps, especially against mobile quarterbacks. So Cam Flemings is going to be that guy. The spot shadow is going to be on him. And if he performs well against Max Crosby, which is an arduous task within his own, then that gives the Broncos an opportunity to kind of win this game. Because when you look at the pass coverage from the Raiders, that they, they have leaky coverage at times. And when you get inside the red zone, you go back and watch. Their safeties and their second-level players, their linebackers, play so deep in the end zone that the slant routes are there. But more importantly, going back and watching Kyler Murray kind of carve them up as they rally to take that game from the Raiders is the fact that when they drop so deep, Mobile quarterbacks, once again, remember what I told you before, think about this when you watch the game, inside the red zone, you don't have a lot of space. So mobility of that quarterback is going to come up and is going to be real important. And Kyler Murray burned them like twice with his scrambling ability. So that's where Russell is going to have to be big in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of talk about should Russell be running more, should he be scrambling, getting out of the pocket. If there's a week to do it, this is the week to do it. And And – like you said, Kyler Murray did it, and, and I'm not saying Russell is as fast as Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray is, uh, I mean, he's he's probably running like a 4-4-40 right now. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, Russell can make things happen with his legs in this game. I also think, like you said, there's an opportunity to really make some big plays in the passing game. I, I really think that uh, this secondary is, is kind of suspect for the Raiders. Obviously, they have some great pass rushers, so you've got to be able to protect them, and, and Russ has got to be able to make some plays in that pocket like we saw late in that 49ers game uh, and find guys down the field. But I do think that there are some chances for Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, those guys to make some big plays in this game. 
I'm going to go to the other side of the ball, and I think that this defense needs to say, okay, they, they need to pick and choose who do they want to try and slow down because there's so many weapons on this, this Raiders offense. And I, I feel like, Nick, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit better than I can, but you can't just say, uh, you know, we're going to shut down one guy or, or, or that, or we're going to force it to one other guy. Like, I, I feel like they have to say, we're going to try and stop Devontae Adams, or we're going to try and take away Darren Waller in the red zone. So I think that that's going to be the key for this defense is, hey, pick and choose your battles. Who are you going to try and man up against? Uh, I think the Pat Sertan, Devontae Adams battle is going to be awesome. I think it's going to be one of the best we see this season. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. But how do you think that this defense approaches trying to slow down all those weapons? Well, don't try to stop everything. You know, you, yeah. you do it, you know, possession by possession. And known as though this, uh, this offense has been struggling to find chemistry with Devontae and who's going to be the guy. My whole thing is you take – everyone's looking forward to the battle between Devontae and PS2. And I'm like, don't even turn it into a battle. Here's what you need to do. Max Holland has 158 yards against Tennessee last week, so we know what he's capable of. If you want to double uh, Devontae Adams as though teams have been doubling him and they've been really successful – at doing that and then put PS2 on Max Hollins. Now you say, okay, well, we're going to dictate where you go with the ball. Now you got to go check down and now you have to throw to Darren Waller, but we're going to be able to do that and tackle well with Caden Stearns and our linebacker. So for me, that is one strategy that I would employ against uh, the Raiders and Devontae Adams. What would you do in that scenario? I think that's a really good idea. I didn't even thought about that. Um, I think that that's actually a really smart idea. And, you know, Ajiro Evero has talked about, that sometimes he's not a fan of, of having a corner just shadow, you know, one wide receiver. Um, and sometimes that doesn't work. And I think that we've seen the Broncos. I mean, they didn't really do that against the 49ers, right? I know that Sertan was lined up against Debo Samuel at times, but like the, obviously the 49ers move him around a lot. But I think I kind of like that idea of doubling Devontae and then putting Sertan maybe on Hollins. But I'm sure Jerry, Jero Evero will come up with some sort of defensive plan and and i think one huge key nick and we'll wrap it up here in a second is the pass rush like if you can get after Derek carr he's he's shown he will make mistakes and so if randy gregory and bradley chubb can get after him then you don't even have to i mean obviously you still have to worry about doing you know darren waller and, and hunter rimfro and Devontae adams and max hollins and all these guys but if you can get into his face he's going to make a mistake and, and then you just trust your secondary to go out there and make some plays on the ball. So I think that that's the biggest key, right? Like, I think you trust your secondary and you say, okay, let's get after Derek Carr and see if he makes a big mistake. Yeah, that, that that's one of those things that you do because, I mean, you, you impact the quarterback, you affect the chemistry and the rhythm of the offense. And that's why Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory are both here, both athletic guys. They both shown, you know, of so far this season that they're challenging one another and they can get after the quarterback and real, be real disruptive. So we're going to watch that too as well for those Broncos fans that were upset about Chandler Jones. Let's just see who has a better game. Is it Randy Gregory or is it Chandler Jones? Lastly, Nick, before we get out of here, give me a game prediction and a score. Yeah, uh, This was going to be a tight one the last time these two teams met. The Raiders won the game 17-13. It's going to be that type of, of game because the defense – you know, they played this uh, great so far, and that's the Broncos defense. So I'm going to give it the same type of score, but this time in reverse, it's going to be the Broncos edging out the Raiders 17-13. 
So I think uh, I think it's going to be really close too. Um, I think that the Broncos finally maybe break through a little bit on offense, uh, and I think they win on a walk-off field goal, walk-off Brandon McManus field goal, twenty to seventeen. I really like the Broncos this weekend. Um, I, again, I think the Raiders have their backs against the wall. They're going to play really well. It's going to come down to the wire, but I do think the Broncos escape with a win for their first time on the road against the Raiders since 2015. So, Nick, any final thoughts before we head out of here for the weekend? Hey, man, uh, everyone, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy uh, the game. Make sure you check your fantasy rosters before the games uh, kick off. Uh, other than that, hey, man, thank you for showing uh, Touchdown Denver some love. Yeah, thanks, guys, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast, uh, and that's it for Touchdown Denver this week, and we'll see you guys on Monday.